Great to have you along for the ride. Let's bring in Counterpoint now, Tasha Kierden. Of course, you can hear her, 6.40, noon to two. Hello. (laughs) And uh, Vince Gasparro, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Good to have you guys. Great to be here. Great to be here. Let's talk about the thing that we have been talking about pretty much 24-7. And we'll continue to do so because, uh, of course, the checks started coming in today. And you're both politically wired. But this has caused a real division. So I'll start with you, Vince, and I'll let you you kind of come back in at, at it, Tasha. Is this the winning formula for win who needs to corner that vote on the left? Do you um, think she's nailed it? Well, l- listen, I, I think there is, uh, you know, you're, you're going to see all sorts of polls. I, n- I know there, a, a poll came out uh, today. And, Campaign, yeah. yeah I'll be, I take that one with a real grain of, of salt. Oh, why is that? I just... I, I, I don't actually, uh, I really don't buy the polls ever. Well, and, and uh, listen, I'm a little skeptical uh, on it. And, and, and to your point, I think you're going to see good polls and bad polls. Um, but I, I think what you're seeing, uh, at least at this point in time, is that good, sound, evidence-based public policy, it matters. And, it's, uh, and, and it, those policies are fairly popular. Now, whether this is going to be enough to win the, uh, in the general election in June is yet to be seen. Uh, but from what I'm hearing within the party, the pres- uh, prescription drug benefit plan, which is uh, free medication for anyone at, uh, under the age of 24. Well, it's not free. Income- it's taxpayer paid. But well, anyway, go well on. no, but free for, for the individual. Um, a, the increase in minimum wage and the 24% reduction in hydro uh, are, are extremely popular public policies. And, they're, and, and the fact is they are making a difference. And, and let's not forget the fact that uh, in addition to those three public uh, uh, policy areas, the strategic investments in infrastructure, uh, which improve productivity and creates jobs, um, has assisted in Ontario now having one of the lowest unemployment rates uh, in the country. And, and I know you like to point out, Alex, that some of those jobs are public sector, but the fact is a lot of those jobs are being created in the service sector and, believe it or not, manufacturing. Well, so, um, so, so it's because they lost 350,000. But Tasha, yeah, I mean, let, let me jump in. Here. Um, you know what? Popular. Yes, I'll give you that. Vince. Popular is clear. Six in 10 Ontarians uh, like the minimum wage increase. 72 percent. I think that Main Street poll showed uh, like the pharmacare evidence based. Absolutely not. Um, the pharmacare program. I've heard this from so many people saying, well, you know what? I have a plan at work. My kids are covered. My producer at Chorus is 22. She's got drug coverage from Chorus. Uh, mm-hmm. She's not going to be taking money from the government, she, but she's paying taxes for this plan that she's not benefiting from. The other piece on the minimum wage, absolutely not evidence-based. Seattle raised their minimum wage significantly over a period of simply three years, and the result has been job losses for the lowest paid workers. Fewer hours, fewer positions. Yes, there have been more high-value jobs created, for sure, because now if you're going to pay not just for the minimum wage worker, but the workers who were making what was the minimum wage, who now want to bump up, and let's say they were making $15, now they want to make $19 because, you know, they weren't minimum wage to begin with. Those people, their jobs, employers are looking for much higher value employees for the money. So the people who lose are the very people this is supposed to help, mm-hmm. the people who think it'll help them, which is immigrants, um, you know, students, students yeah. people looking to get that first job. It is a policy that, you know, on the face of it, sure, it's, it's hard to speak up against paying workers more, but it's the speed of the thing that is the real problem here. It is way, way, way too fast. It's done just for the election, basically. Yeah, and, and the one thing we are starting to hear, and, and I'm trying to show the face 
face of it are the small businesses who are willing to talk, whether it's the candy shop in Hamilton, the guy in yeah. Port Albert, or the ice cream shop in, in Huntsville. They're starting slowly to come out, but I did get a letter today from a franchisee owner, and, and they don't want me to say the, the franchise, and they said they're getting uh, you know threats, they're getting you know email um, harassment, and, and it's starting to really take a toll because they're being so vilified, which to me, you know, you got a premier who talks about bullying so much, and yet, <laughs> what do you call this, Vince? Well, look, I, I, I am not going to defend, um, you know, any sort of class-type warfare that, that, that people But that's are what provoked. this is about? Well, no, no, well, it, it, excuse, no, sorry, excuse me for a second. In all fairness, that is the Conservatives trying to create something that isn't there. That, so what are you talking about? They haven't no, seen, hold on. Uh, not, listen. You know what? It's not the Conservatives doing that. No offense. Uh, you hear this from business people themselves. Uh, the Ontario Federation of Labor is creating it by going and picketing at Tim Hortons, by organizing people to picket there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really appealing. Again, it's bringing the NDP vote over to the Liberals. That is all these policies are designed to do. And by the way, you forgot rent control. That's another big one. Again, appealing to low-income people who think it'll help them, but rent control is the worst policy if you want to create more rental spaces, which is so, really the issue in oh, Toronto. And by the way, so, I just yeah, want to remind you, the insurance went up again today. Remember so, that stretch goal? Yeah. It went up oh, again yeah, today. Goal. Which would have gone up anyways, I might add. Oh, okay. Cause it, cause it, it would have gone up anyways because of other market forces. But let's be clear, Tasha, since you believe in evidence-based policy so much and you and you, and, and you agree with me on well, that you're the one who brought, so no, how you're you, the sorry, brought it up. I, sorry, I'm, I'm not finished. I'm sorry, I'm not finished. How do you... How do you explain lowest unemployment rate in the country? How do you explain that? How do you explain the fact? Well, the minimum wage hike hasn't come in yet. That's exactly, you're exactly right. And it's nothing to do with what the Wynn government has done. It is not. It is to do with trends that have shown manufacturing has been on an uptick ever since oil prices have been lower. There has been more investment in that sector. Yes, because oil isn't productive. People aren't putting their money there. That's one of the factors, as well as the dollar, which has gone down. So there are other factors, too. Evidence-based, you're, the liberals are the ones who are saying this is all evidence. That's what I'm challenging you on. I don't think it is. The conservatives never said, you know, they tend to be more, this is the right thing to do. The liberals are like, this is what, you know, we're told by, by social scientists where it's going to work. But it doesn't. The evidence isn't there for any of the policies we talked about. Let me, let me hold on, Vince. Let, let me, yeah, let me minimum, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you're right. Unemployment's low now, but when the minimum wage hike kicks in, it hasn't kicked in yet. That's my whole point. You're going to wreck what's good that's going on. Yeah. Okay, okay let so me play so, a okay. clip, though, because I've only got a couple of minutes left, and I do want to get to this. One of the highest-profile liberals, it doesn't get you know much more liberal than this, Greg Sorbara mm-hmm. came out very critically. Take a listen to what he said. I think it's going to have a very negative effect on the economy. Uh, I mean, quietly, businesses are going to adjust by moving to technology, uh, letting, laying people off, uh, curtailing hours. Uh, and uh, in many parts of rural Ontario, businesses will just close because they can't absorb it. I mean, if you want to deal with poverty, deal with poverty. Do it through a guaranteed annual income. Do it through, with income supplements. Don't put dealing with poverty on the backs of businesses. Okay, look, Greg Sorbara is a liberal through and through, and he is attacking this policy of Vince. You know, look, that's a pretty shocking comment for him to make. Uh, you, you leading with me, Alex? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping I'd you would have gone the other word. way on this one. <laughs> thought I'd give um, you the first word. Yeah. I mean, that, I, that, that comment, I think, surprises a lot of liberals. Um, the I, word I is think, yes. Yes, it does. Yes. <laughs> I, I, uh, I understand Greg Sorbera's uh, point. Uh, Greg, Greg is a personal uh, friend of mine, 
and I have a great deal of respect for him uh, as finance minister. He he, uh, he balanced the budget. I, I, he was an excellent finance minister. And his overall point, I think, in terms of the government having a role in providing a livable wage is a real one. And he he talks about it. The fact that you know you uh, bringing in a universal basic income, which is good pu- public policy and good economic policy. Uh, as well, where the left and the right agree. And I should add that it's this government, uh, the Liberal government here in Ontario, that is actually testing it out. So, you know, he has a, he has a point on, on some level. And I think, for example, you're seeing minimum wage workers getting back to uh, the whole suite of public policy areas that we're looking at. For example, uh, minimum wage workers are going to benefit from like a, pre- a prescription drug uh, benefit plan. Uh, you're going to see entrepreneurs and small and medium-sized businesses also benefit from that prescription drug uh, plan. Yeah. Uh, so my, my, my point is I, I don't think you should be looking at public policy decisions in isolation uh, in one specific area. You have to look at the, uh, the overall public policy prescription being offered by the government. Yeah, let me, let me, I've only got a little bit of time. I want to give Tasha a chance to jump I admire in. Your, I admire your attempt to collect this one, but he clearly slammed it. He did. I have a lot of respect for Greg Sarbara, too. I don't agree with everything he did, but he was, um, I will say, a very strong politician, a very strong and uh, capable finance minister. He did balance the books eventually uh, in Ontario. So, you know, what I would say is I think he's articulating a point of view that the Liberals just don't want to hear. And the other piece that's not that's not talked about either is the government's going to benefit from this higher payroll taxes because wages are going to be higher, mm-hmm. higher taxes paid by individuals who are getting those uh, that money. So the government is also getting a boost to fight its deficit. We're going to talk about what he did on that. Uh, to fight that on the backs of business. Basically, they're offloading costs, and business has, has faced the choice of pass it to the consumer, who ends up paying then, or cut jobs. That's and right. neither of them is a palatable result. All right, guys, I got to stop it there because I'm at a hard break. But when we come back, we will pick up the topic of Omar Cotter. You're listening to On Point here. This is Counterpoint. I'm Alex Pearson. We'll be back right after this quick break on Global News Radio. We've got Tasha Curden and Vincent Gasparo duking it out. And uh, I'll start with you on this one, um, Vincent. Um, we paid Omar Cotter a lot of money. It's the one question that Justin Trudeau has asked over and over again on this campaign tour. And now we uh, learn through court filings that Mr. Cotter, in fact, can't avoid that huge civil judgment, uh, civil suit against him uh, by the widow of Mr. Spears, the the officer that he killed. This is kind of trickle out information that I think is is going to likely stick and 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 cause some headaches for Mr. Trudeau, but there'll be a lot of people who are happy to hear that information. Um well, I I've, I've said this before on air and I'll say it again. Uh I was not in favor and I'm not in favor of Omar Cotter uh being paid 10 and a half million dollars uh from the government of Canada. Uh, this is one of the, the few public policy areas that, that I actually disagree with, with my government on uh, and my party. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I share the anger with a lot of Canadians uh, on, on that settlement. What I will say is uh, I hope he uh, faces the full extent of this civil uh, uh, litigation. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's what happens uh, you know, with, with people who are uh, who are in legal trouble, they they have to bear the brunt of uh, of the of the consequences of their actions. And I, you know, I'm 
uh, I don't think he should be able to, to get away from it. No, but it is the one question that, you know, no matter how many times he's asked, Tasha, it's the same answer. We had to do it. Uh, we had a choice. We were trying to save money. And, and that's all BS because they didn't have to do it. They, I think the public would have been more comfortable if the courts had decided. And if they decided, OK, we pay, I don't think it would be as big a problem as it is. I think so, too. I mean, I would agree with Vince on this. I don't think the government should pay it, uh, especially in the absence of any court uh, or order um, or even an argument attempt, attempt to be made before the courts to, to establish a quantum here because the number was pulled out of thin air. Um, and, you know, this uh, Omar Cotter can say he suffered not at the hands of the Canadian government. This is the irony here. He suffered at the hands of the American government. He can say that. Um, he clearly his detention was extremely unpleasant, as anyone who would be detained at Guantanamo is. But the Canadian government wasn't the one there who was doing the waterboarding. Yeah. Um, it was the Americans. The Canadian government's sin in all this, if you will, is that they shared information with the Americans. They took information that was obtained under duress and used it in their own proceedings. So really, um, you know, is that worth $10.5 million? I don't think so. I mean, I hope the widow of um, Mr. Spear recovers at least some of the money that uh, she has this judgment. Obviously, she won't get all of it because, um, you know, he wouldn't have $132 million or, or whatever it is that, that she's Oh, I'm sure, he'll, I'm sure he'll crowdsource for it. Well, you know what, though? But, but the point is that uh, this judgment would go somewhat towards that. So, anyway. No, and, and, and Alex, I think the other point here on, on the, and I, I don't want to, you know, uh, hammer on this point too hard, but the fact of the matter is, you know, yes, he, he, Omar Carter killed a U.S. soldier and wounded another one. But the other, the other part of the story that I, I don't think has gone enough attention is this is a guy who was building IEDs yep. and leaving them at the side of the road. Yep. Uh, and who knows how many people, men, women, and children, he and soldiers that he indiscriminately killed. Uh, we don't know that. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm strongly against this. I, I think the, uh, I, I think it was bad public policy. It was bad politics, um, and and that's why it's it's sticking it's sticking to the government. Uh, I understand, I guess, from an intellectual standpoint, why they wanted to settle, um, but uh, because they didn't want to pay more later. Okay. I understand. I understand from that point. But this is one of those times in life where I think you fight the fight because it's the right thing to do and, and, and they should have just fought to the end. But, you know, um, and I think Canadians would have understood. And I think we would have all understood if the government let force the government to make the payment, then uh, I, I think we just would have said, look, the government, uh, the, the courts forced us, forced the, the federal government to do it. But, um, uh, you know, I, like I said, um, I, I think Tasha and I are in agreement on this one. Are you into the sauce tonight? <laughs> it must be no, a good no. sensibility, sensibility sauce. There we go. <laughs> Donald Trump causes a S storm over his S hole uh, uh, comment. You know, some say he was just simply speaking truth. Um, or that he's breaking political correctness. And I'm going to be speaking to an international journalist who spent a lot of time in these places who will say they are those things, but there's a but with it. Um, where does this conversation go from here? Because now there's reports that President Obama um, called uh, Syria a S show uh, in private. And, and that didn't get nearly the scrutiny. And that was just a couple of years ago. Well, I think there's, there's a difference there, if I might start on this. Uh, and I think that the difference is that here the issue was, was DACA. It was the Dreamer policy. It was immigration policy. And it also comes on the heels of Donald Trump making um, comments about Charlottesville that would give the impression that he is, you know, 
uh, sees the point of white supremacists. Uh, he's been called a racist by many people throughout the campaign, throughout his presidency. This adds fuel to that fire. Uh, Obama wasn't carrying that legacy, and he wasn't talking about um, you know, uh, bringing in people from Syria. He was, that wasn't the issue. Mm. Describing what happened in Syria as an F show, uh, you know what? Um, there was a, a war going on there, and that's a different matter entirely. Here you're talking about countries that, for whatever reason, I mean, Haiti suffered a huge earthquake, you yeah. know? Um, and the anniversary the economy, today. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's been a, I mean, its economy, most people will say, has been a basket case for years. That is not uh, an argument, but it, it's that people would, would contradict, but the, the, the way he phrased it led to, to say, well, you know, we'd rather take people countries like Norway. We want their immigrants. We don't want people from those other countries. Yeah, um, and, sorry, sorry, can I interject here for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Tasha, look, listen. Um, it is very clear that this president has an issue with immigration. And, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, the fact that he fails to understand that good immigration is also good at economic policy, you know, isn't lost on anyone. He, he doesn't, you know, he clearly doesn't understand that nuance. And one simple fact that, that comes, to, uh, that, you know, that should resonate with him and others is a third of Fortune 500 CEOs uh, and companies are run by immigrants or their children. Mm-hmm. Immigration provides a huge economic and social benefit to the United States, it provides a huge economic and social benefit to Canada. And when you have, Ar- when you have, yeah. when you have a, a leader, uh, a president, using language like that, it, um, it not only takes away from any sort of public policy decision that's being made, but that becomes the focus, the, the language. And this president, again, has a problem with immigration. Uh, a lot of people have called him racist. A lot of his actions would be deemed racist and and comments that he's made um so it it shouldn't be surprising to anyone but it will play big with those who support him and sit in a bar eating peanuts or yeah go to the grocery store and say well that's how i talk if you go on twitter that's what you see you see people say well he's just saying the truth he's saying that yeah but not everybody's the president of the united states i agree i agree with you i think we we should aspire for our leaders to to uphold a certain level of decorum and to make good, proper, and I keep saying it, evidence-based policy decisions. And when you have a president who can barely string a coherent sentence together, be it on Twitter or in person without a teleprompter, it's a big problem. Yeah, but when you get taxed, yeah, go ahead. The other other piece of it I was going to say, the irony is, of course, Trump looks at Canada's immigration system. Our immigration system is very different, and he actually lauds ours for the simple reason that we have a points-based system. We have a merit-based system. So it's not that we just take anybody who wants to come here. You have to fulfill certain criteria. In the United States, they have used immigration as a source of cheap labor. I mean, let's be honest. And that um, is is why some people will say, oh, well, people who come here, you know, they're poor, they stay poor. Well, you know what? Um, You're using them. Businesses are using them. They're working illegally, too. I mean, it's the, the U.S. immigration system is very broken in many ways, but his comment goes to, you know, the, 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 the racism of what he says is based on basically where people come from, not their ability. That's what's awful about it. And if you think back, like during the potato famine in Ireland, I'm sure, you know, Ireland was probably an F show at the time too. Uh, you, no one would say, oh, you know, we don't want more Irish immigrants today. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing is that, that the United States has been built by people who fled F shows. They fled yep. places that were terrible because they want to make a better life for themselves. That's the whole point of the American dream. And he's really, he's just, he's just dumping all over that. And I think it's horrible. Okay, guys, I got to wrap it there, but thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it guys.
Thank you. Thanks. Bye, Alex. Tasha you can hear here on 640. And, of course, Vincent Gasparro, who gets beaten up regularly and just keeps coming back. Such a good sport.